Hey, it's Shastin Rains, and welcome to Crosswalk Church. You're listening to Today's Presence, a podcast in which Pastor Tim hosts conversations about culture, daily life, and what the scriptures have to say. We desire to bring you encouragement and hope during this time. So once you finish this podcast, make sure to visit crosswalkvillage.com to find more information about our church and additional resources from our pastoral team. Welcome back, everyone. This is Tim and Sam. Sam and Tim here at Hello. Our, our little podcast. Hey, why do you always say hello so close to the microphone? Because I want to, I don't know. I just want to, part, I'm partly testing the microphone to make sure it's still working. You can, you can hear me. Yeah, it works very well. You sound good. very good. Again, um, and I know you have two different microphones to choose from now. I do. You're so nice. You're so extra now. That studio they set up. You're you're very extra. Extra. I'm thoroughly and, enjoying it. Thank you. And Brian most of the Pollard. time, people tell me I'm extra, but well, it's it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, are we jumping right back into the topic? Should we do it? Let's do it. Let's. We're talking Let's, preaching. Yeah, you were just talking about kind of the the personal experience of preaching and how. Um, how that feels for you and the anxiety that you, that you live with. The question I yeah. posed is, do you feel, do, do we recognize the arrogance that it takes a little bit? And I don't do, know. Yeah. You need to, right you need word. to address that. Yeah. I don't. So, so I'm going to hearken back to a little previous life that we had, which was um, this previous life of playing music together. And it dawned on me as we were, as we were writing music and as we were performing music that, I don't know what gives me the right to think that anyone's going to want to hear a song that I wrote. Cause I, I think we can, I think we can reasonably argue. I'm not a good songwriter. No, there was no. more, we had a few decent songs, but the vast majority were not, they have not withstood the test of time. They're only brought out at my house to make fun of me now. Well, no, no, that that's definitely happening in my house too. But no, listen, I don't. They, no, it's because hey. our kids are mean. That's part of the problem. We did not grow them with grace and compassion. We grew. Let's them let our listeners them. decide. Go go to Spotify or or uh, Apple no, Music or whatever you're, and listen to Tim's songwriting, and maybe you can give him feedback on I, this. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to get any compliments. Trust me. But I remember the moment I thought, why would anyone want to listen to what I'm writing, and why do I think? They need to, mm. and I know that's that's probably a stupid question, but but there that was the question. It was like, why, who who am I to think that they should listen? And then and then we you know as we became preachers earlier on in our careers and and kind of preachers that people seem to want to listen to, that question has lingered in my mind. Why am I the guy? I step into a room every single week. Well, I used to, um, and hopefully will again. Step into a room every single week with people with PhDs from Harvard, from the University of Chicago, incredibly erudite theologians, thoughtful physicians, people who, who are way more thorough in their academic pursuits than I've kind of ever been. Um, what, why in the world do I have, and I don't know if arrogance is the right word, why in the world do I have the, the calling, quote unquote, to be the guy who steps up there um, to be the person who steps up there that they should listen to. And I'll tell you what that's done. Philosophically, that has humbled me because I know that on any given topic, I'm probably not the expert in the room. And oftentimes on any given text, I may not be the expert in the room. But, but for some reason, God has seen fit to put me in the place where I get to go up and express the gospel. 
which then I begin to realize, okay, in a half hour sermon, and there's 700 people in this room, that's 350 hours. And we do that three times a week. That's almost a thousand hours, if not more than a thousand hours of human time, right? Time that people have gifted me. And my sermons are kind of always on the dot 30 minutes when it, when we're in the room. Um, That Mm. is, that is, first of all, the gift of that is incredible that someone would give you that kind of time. Cause I'm not sure there's any greater gift that people can give you than time. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and then the aggregate amount of time that people are giving me, I better not only take that seriously, but I better believe in the things that I'm saying, you know, and then, and then I believe that every time you get in the pulpit, you've got to try and move a dial, right? You've got to try and push people to a different place. I feel that's really important. If I wasted someone's time for 30 minutes and I wasted that aggregately, that's, that's stealing so much of people's lives that I have to really try and do some work when I'm in that pulpit, when I'm doing that work. And so I got to try and, and move people's thoughts and, and, and bring people to a better understanding of the gospel or, um, and man, that is, that is a terrible responsibility. And I mean, terrible in the sense of awesome, right? Um, that if I don't take that seriously, I'm, you know, I'm in malpractice. Yeah. If you will for the congregation. And, and I also know that, you know, when, when I've got someone like Dr. Richard Rice in the audience and I'm talking about theodicy, I'm probably quoting from his book. So I better get that right. (laughs) You know, I I used to hate to preach when my dad was in the room Mm because I could tell when he'd be like, no, no, that's, Mm. that's wrong. And he was always incredibly gracious you know, he would never say you were wrong about something. He would always say, hey, have you read this book? Chapter three, page 34, <laughs> second paragraph. He was, he was always very, thought, he was thoughtful. But, um, but mm. yeah, no, you know, so, so I don't think I have the same sort of personal anxiety that you do. Mm. But I'll tell you where that comes from too. That also comes from the, the hundreds, if not thousands of hours of time being in front of people playing in the band and speaking at the same time. But I remember we were playing, um, I don't know if you remember this, we were playing Arco Arena up in Sacramento. I don't know if it's called Arco Arena anymore. I think it's called like that mattress company arena. Anyway, I don't you, know. see, you see it as you drive to the, the Sacramento airport all the time now. But um, but we were, we were going to play this song. It was a new song. Um, and it starts with just that one note that Mike used to play our guitarist. It was like, I'm going nowhere, but things can change. And so we were starting our set out with that. And they had this like, this like 120 foot long catwalk in this, in this arena. There's eight, 16, 17,000 people there. I don't know. Um, and Mike starts playing that. And I go walking up to the front of the stage and they wouldn't give me a wireless microphone. Do you remember this? Cause we were yeah. like a, a no nothing band, yeah. no name band. So they gave me a wired microphone and it was unplugged. So I walk out to the end. I'm about ready to start the song. And my microphone is unplugged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember yeah. we Mike played that thing for two and a half minutes, just played that <laughs> stupid note. And I'm looking around trying to figure out where to plug in the microphone. It's the stuff that nightmares are made of for a performer, actually. So and actually, I remember. Yeah, go that, ahead. Do you remember that? No, I know. I actually, I actually saw what happened. The mic was wired, and you walked past the line where you were supposed to not walk past, and you oh. and you yanked it out of. Somehow it was not clicked in correctly. You yanked it out of the 
the line that was plugged into. And we were all trying to tell you. And you kept looking back going, what's wrong with my mic? We're like, you pulled it out of the cable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never been able to read lips. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew is that there's these tens of thousands of people waiting for us to start a song and I can't start it. Um, I'll tell you what, after a few of those experiences and, and those experiences not going well, but going poorly and then recovering. Cause if you remember, we ended up doing, I think of three or four song set that night. And we had, I remember, I remember the balcony feeling like it was waving, the like collapse. It, was, it was about to collapse. Cause we had people jumping. So in that sense, like I, I've been to a place where things went really wrong. And mm -hmm. so I don't have the fear of like, if this goes really South, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but it, it comes from thousands of hours of being up in front of people and, and playing music and learning to read audiences and that sort of thing. So I don't have that same sort of nervousness. What happens to me is when I'm up there, I'll say something and I'll think, does that make sense? Hmm. And then I'll begin an internal monologue with myself as I'm preaching and go, okay, do I have to, is there a way that I can fix that? What do I need to, how do I change that? How do I, how do I get back? Because we're mm. very different in our preparation. We're a little bit different in, yeah. our, um, in yeah. the way that we give a sermon. But we can talk about that later. I don't no, know. Does any, of that, does any of that make sense? No, it does make sense. I think, you know, for, for some people, um, repetition, like reps in the, in the skill uh, lower the, you know, the anxiety level. For me, it, that's never been the case. Um, that's interesting, I, just, huh? I feel like there's... Um, I feel like the, yeah, the routine, the the prep routine and the and then the preaching routine for some reason always had, I always had the same, it just never, never <laughs> got easier. I, but I'll tell you what, the, my, um, I, my, but I just want to say a word about preaching. So, you know, I spent 21 years preaching in front of an academic audience yeah. and there is nothing more humbling and you, you better have your exegesis. Mm -hmm. don't don't be sloppy when you say hey the greek word says or the hebrew words rendered this way mm -hmm. because there are people who've written textbooks in the audience on maybe even just that little section of scripture you are <laughs> right. you are preaching from right now but what i have found what i have found with my colleagues my uh you know theologians and biblical scholar colleagues is that they are so patient with preachers yeah they are they're so generous and they're so grateful for whatever good word you're bringing today that um, their feedback, I, I, there's one individual that would always just come up to me after every sermon and they would say, I was so blessed. We're talking about Harvard educated, mm. elite biblical scholarship, um, just always grateful for the sweet word from Jesus, which is probably a clue to what our homiletic should be. Every, right. Like our, our teaching, our preaching arts should always aim at this one thing. Mm -hmm. What sweet word do you need to hear today from Jesus before we complicate it with all the other accoutrement <laughs> that we think makes a sermon really amazing? Let's, you know, what, what, what sweet word does, does every person from a five-year-old to a 95-year-old um, from all walks of life need to hear today. So there, there's that, man. But I, I, you know, my, my, um, should we, should we move on to prep? Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. 
Okay, we can begin now and then we can come back to the next <clears throat> the next one because I think we may it's possible we may run out of time. Uh go go for it. How do you oh. prep him? Oh. Um yeah, so that's changed. That's changed over the years. Um it used to be I used to really labor. I, my problem is I'm not a real consistent person in life. Like I'm not a guy who does the same thing the same way every single time, which you know, you played in a band with me. I would sometimes, you know, double the verse because I thought of some new words I should say in the middle of it or make the, the, you know, the bridge sound a little bit different, which used to frustrate drummers all the time. But, um, but so, so that's always been a problem for me really creating, like, I remember sitting down with, um, you know, one of the, the, you know, most renowned preachers in our denomination, I guess I would say. And he walked me through his week and it was, you know, two hours on this and uh, probably an hour and a half on this and then this, and then 16 hours on just memorization. And, um, it was, it was, you know, it was amazing to me that somebody was that well thought through. I I'm not what I, I started early on kind of going, Hey, I want to talk about this kind of coming up with some illustrations and figuring that out. And then, then kind of going to scripture um, and I did that for the beginning of my career. I didn't go to scripture to validate what I thought. I, I, I went to scripture because scripture has some great things to say that has changed significantly in the last six years. Um, when I came to crosswalk, what I wanted to be was a preacher who could stand up with a Bible and do the work of scripture, mm-hmm. understand the scripture so well that I can, I can talk you through it. And I, I, and my prep changed completely because we began to choose series that were big chunks of scripture that took a long time to get through. And I was able to really delve into, you know, the commentaries and delve into, you know, word study and that sort of thing. And, um, and then about a year ago, yeah, about a year ago, we started doing these series guides where I write a piece for every single day of a series which means that I'm writing 365 devotionals, about 400 words on the text before mm. I preach it. And that has again changed everything because now on the week that I'm preaching on the text, I've done a week's worth of work on mm. writing about the individual texts. And so it has in some ways made prep way easier, but it's also way harder because months before I have done some of that writing and that work. So it's a, a constant... Um, you have to be in the word all the time and you have to be deeply studying the word. And I say this to my church all the time, stop reading the Bible, start studying the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. people who say, you know, I, I read the Bible three times this year. I'm always like, well, did you get anything from it? Cause you're reading very fast. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, there, mm-hmm. there are weeks I get through three verses and I feel like I've accomplished a great deal because I understand those verses much differently than I did when I started. And so for me, it's exegesis, right? That's where it begins. The study of the word study of commentaries, understanding. And you have to understand the text before you can tell people what the text says. And if you are using the text, like I think I did earlier in my career, if you're using the text just to verify what you think already, then you weren't honest. Yeah. But let's be clear. Um, you know, there's a lot of places that say, you know, we're just biblical preaching, biblical preaching. We're not interpreting the text. First of all, that's obviously not true. Because you are interpreting the text. And the very, even the I, very act of opening the text is interpreting it. Right. Of course. So, yeah. Yeah. And then secondly, when there's difficult text or when there's multiple um, possibilities for the way a text can be exegeted, I'm going to choose 
what I think God is leading me towards and what I think is the best exegesis. So when I say, you know, we preach biblically here, yeah, we do, but I'm still making some choices on that interpretation. I just may have yeah. made them on Tuesday, right? To, to which direction I think the text is heading. And here's what I think fascinating, and maybe you can argue with me on this. There are times I read a text and it means this to me, and then times I read the same text and it means something slightly different. And yeah. I've always wondered about that, right? Is that, is that the Holy Spirit, the leading of God? Was I wrong before? Did more information now change what I think the text is? Or is this a timely text for what's going on now because the world has changed and now these, these words mean something different? Yeah, yeah. But tell yeah. me, tell me what your, tell me kind of what your process is. Cause I would say I'm probably between all said and done. I'm probably between six and 10 hours for a 30 minute sermon, but those things happen over months because it's yeah, a constant work. So I, I have a hard time saying, oh, this week I spent 16 hours on a sermon or 10 hours or six hours or three hours. Cause I, I can, there are times I sit down and I write a sermon in 45 minutes. That's a 30 minute sermon. Hmm. Mm, but it's not that great but, when it comes that, that yeah. easy and that quick. But it's because I've been doing work over the last few months to preach on this text. When you say, when you say um, write the sermon, see, this is probably something that people don't, don't realize, that you're actually manuscripting. Um, you're actually, when you say, what does writing the sermon mean? So traditionally in my career, I've not been a manuscript preacher. I, I don't write a full manuscript. I have... I write transitions. I work with uh, I work with notes, um, and then kind of create a skeleton out of that, and know where I'm going. Um, and that has always left me a little bit of space to be a little more dialogical in the in the sermon um, through through a lot of the time. Um, but through this COVID time, I've had to learn kind of a different discipline, working with a teleprompter, manuscripting it all out. And so I think I I have felt like what we're doing right now is not preaching in the same way. What I've been doing now is writing something and then delivering that written oration. And quite honestly, this week, I, I decided I didn't want to do that. So I went back to a previous format, which is a little bit harder in, when you're standing in a camera and you can't move around so much. But, um, but I wanted to get back to the art of preaching and the conversation of preaching as opposed, to, as opposed to me writing a great chapter and then me delivering a great chapter. Does that make sense? Which is, which is closer to your, your style of preaching anyway, right? Because there are yeah. preachers who um, write a manuscript and they get up front and deliver it as a, a, a perfectly crafted, uh, essentially a, an oral essay that you're going right. to deliver to an audience. But that's never really been your style, has it? No, no, I, I, whether I'm just not thorough enough or I'm not really great at memorizing. I've never been great at memorizing. I remember I took, a, I took an anatomy class and it was a disaster. I did not finish the anatomy <laughs> class because I just couldn't memorize that much. I've always been more of a, like, this feels right. This, I think that's right because this feels right. I'm, I'm, and so that's been for me, but you're very different. You are much more of a manuscript preacher. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, full manuscript from the very beginning of, of wow. ministry. Really? And I script it all out um, word for word. And I know when I say this, people probably find it absolutely unbelievable, but I do. Uh, even down to the good morning or good afternoon, everything I'm going to say is manuscripted. Here's, here's what people always find completely unbelievable. Um, my whatever jokes I'm telling in the seemingly aside 
little things that you hear are all scripted. Now, I know this is going to give the impression that I'm not being genuine when I'm up front. Um, so, so no, it, I, I am, but it, it's just that if I manuscript that I have a map clearly laid out with a route that then I can take some side streets on or some side little, you know, little tangents on. But so, without so a manuscript... You even work out your tangents. Um, I work out where a tangent could happen. Oh, interesting. I know this could be an off-ramp if, if depending on how the audience is resonating with what I'm saying. Um, illustrations, I, I don't manuscript anymore. Uh, mm. Illustrations I give, I, I practice uh, how I'm going to tell the illustration, um, how I'm going to tell the story, but I don't script it out completely because i think that you know that dissects the story and you end up with a a dissected bird but not one that's alive and flying you know <laughs> so um but you know the um i'll come back to that in a moment but one thing i want to say about uh, preaching the text um one i think that's one thing that we both did early on in our ministries is that we we're topical. It's like we were topical yeah. preachers. And then we, like everyone does this. Every topical preacher does this. You run to the Bible to look for the support for the topic you, you want to preach about, which is not wrong, but it's, it's not biblical preaching. It's not expository preaching. Right. And my big transition happened when, by the way, when I say this, you and I were, were always ex, ex, exegeting the text. Right. Right. We were, we were just not, the sermon was, didn't begin with the exegesis. The exegesis right. came somewhere in the middle of it when we felt like, well, we have a responsibility to teach the Bible, so there's got to be Bible in it. <laughs> uh, my transition came when um, um, my time in the pulpit and prep time, the demands were so such that I could not keep up the topical game anymore. Mm-mm. And I yeah. think this is a, it was a God Same. thing in my life. Same. Like I just, I just, it, it's just, it was just so hard. Um, and, um, so one day talking to a colleague here, you know, where I, where I used to work, he said, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you try preaching the Bible? (laughs) I thought that's what I was doing. And he said, nah, you're preaching topics and then looking for support. So, and his next great suggestion was, why don't you try preaching through the revised common lectionary? Mm. Uh, and so for people who don't know what that is, it is a, for, for a thousand years or 500 years, actually in some traditions, but in others, a thousand years, Christians have been preaching what we call the lectionary. Uh, it's a set of texts every week that uh, from the Old Testament, from the prophets, from the Psalms, and from the letters, the writing, the letters in 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 the New Testament and from the Gospels. There's always a grouping of these texts that um, are talking about the same thing. And right. they're they're put together in a way you can follow week by week um, in sets in, in a progression that takes three or four years, sometimes five years. It's a five-year lectionary you can follow. Wow. Um, so <clears throat> I looked at that and I thought, first of all, that is such a massive project. Like to to adapt to that kind of preaching. And by the way, the majority of Christians do this. Did you know this? They're right. actually they actually follow the Revised Common Lectionary. Right. Um, you, you know, mainline Protestants, um, 
evangelicals are the, we are the ones who who don't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the most part, this is how the majority of the Christian world uh, reads through Scripture and they preach through Scripture. So um, I, I committed to it. I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this with college students. Mm -hmm. So at a, a weekly cycle of preparing a lectionary-based um, uh, sermon. And man, I cannot tell you how transformative that was. Really? It was unbelievable. I, I cannot tell you how amazing that was for a number of reasons. Not, not just because of the lectionary and how great the tools that exist for preparing are already all over the right. internet. And there's tons of literature that helps you prepare. But I think the transformative thing was that you, you had to preach the text. Mm -hmm. You could not say, I don't feel like dealing with that today. Right. Which keeps you from preaching only the texts that are your favorite in scripture mm -hmm. or the easy ones. Right. Or the ones that you're constantly drawn to, um, you have to deal with what the Bible says first. Second of all, um, it was the most scripture that a lot of the people who were listening to me had had heard in a long time, because mm -hmm. we would read through all the texts first, right. and then and then I would preach from it. Um, so, what you know, it was the most Bible most people had had heard in a week, a month, a year, or maybe most of their life. Um, and at the end of the four years that I did this, um, I had preached through the majority of scripture. It was, it was a, an incredible exercise. And here's the other thing that happened to him, the miracle. I, I think this is a miracle because then you feel like, well, what if there's something happening in the world that mm -hmm. needs our attention yeah. that the, the scripture reading does not address? That never happened. Right. Uh, I found it, and this, this is where we get into transcendent, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit at work, right? Yeah. This is the sacred echo. Yeah. It was always relevant. Yep. I would sometimes open up the, the Bible readings for that week and be blown away by how in, that just focused, sharp, relevant it was to the moment we were all living through um, week after week after week. Yeah. Dude, that still um, happens to me. That still happens to me every week. And I mean, I'll set up my series a year beforehand. Mm -hmm. uh, we set up the series in James November last year. And, you know, the stuff that James is taking on is stuff for this world that, it, you know, particularly in the crisis that we're in, particularly in the, the climate that we're in. It's just... That that is constantly amazing to me. Yeah. That the Holy Spirit works that way, and yeah. um, no, it's it's a. I think so. I think what happens is you're, you're young. You get out of seminary. You've got all these ideas and a lot of stuff that you think we need to talk about, and then you use that up in a few years, and you begin to say, all right, Lord, what am I supposed to be preaching on? And I always feel like God's saying, you know, it's right there. I've talked about all of this before. It's mm -hmm. right there. Just trust that the words that have already been put in place will be enough for you. And, and I think that was kind of transformational for me, not just as a preacher, but transformational for me as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Because the scripture cannot be an afterthought for a preacher, first of all. But really for a Christian, scripture cannot be an afterthought. It needs to be the source. Yeah. Because if it's, if it's not the source, then it holds no authority. 
because you will, you will call it irrelevant when it doesn't agree with you. Yes. Right. And you'll pick and choose and listen, there's always going to be picking it, some picking and choosing, right. There's always going to be, and there's going to be interpretation. Um, you know, we, obviously we've got a lot of different denominations, a lot of different faith traditions coming from the same book, but, but a consistency is important for that. Right. And that's one thing that I think was instilled in me pretty early on from a sense of hermeneutic, right. Be consistent in your hermeneutic. Don't, don't allow yourself to just choose willy nilly, not just the text that you're using, but how you're studying the text that you're using. And I will say that's something that I think came very strongly through my education at La Sierra. I think the professors there were really good at that. And it, it held strong through our education in, um, in seminary, although it was a bit of a different take. There still was a consistency in which most of those professors took on the scripture. And, yeah. you know, I don't hate the fact that I took Greek. I don't hate the fact that I took Hebrew, although I know very little Hebrew. That was very difficult. But, but you know, to have really great professors work with me on the Greek, while the tools are so much more profound now than we had back in the, the 90s. Oh, yeah. The tools um, are... It's we were, amazing We were now. in those... It feels like in we were dark in caves. caves. I know. Were we riding? Were we riding with feathers? It felt <laughs> like we were. That's how. That's how backwards it was at the time. Um, but now, now I mean, everything's so right there at your fingertips. And what you have to do is you have to you have to be much better at discerning the sources now than you were before. Yes, because you have so much access to so many sources. You need to know when that doesn't jibe with the particular faith tradition that you're coming from. But I want to talk about one thing real quick, and I don't know how long this is. But Sam, let's talk about finding your voice. Because yeah. I remember the conversation that we had, um, and and I don't know that we're done with preparation by any means. But do you want to talk about finding your voice in the next one? Yeah, let's do that. I think that's, okay. I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel like we didn't finish this topic either. We don't. We need to come back. Let's let's do this. Why don't we come back to this, and then, and then we'll do the finding your voice um, topic later. Okay. Because I think okay. finding your voice is pretty fascinating. Yep. Yeah, I like how we're working this out in real time with our dear listeners. <laughs> you would think that we would have written this down before. And then, you're right. Let's do takeaways. Let's do takeaways from for for this episode, and we'll come my back. My take to it. my takeaway is that whether you are a whether you are a manuscript or whether you are a um, a, a more improvisational, I'm not sure that's the right term. Preacher, le- less manuscript, let's say. Um, preparation is paramount. Yeah. To to providing people with a a thoughtful message. That's yeah. my takeaway. Yeah. What's your What's your takeaway? Um, I mean, I think I I think I'd like to be sharper on that word that you said the preparation and the um and the I I just don't think there's there's such a thing as free flowing in the spirit, getting up front and hoping that what you're going to say works out. Um, I, I don't think that's a responsible handling of the response of the, the, what we're given, the pulpit you've been given by God. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I would say, while manuscripting is not something that's for everyone, preparation and knowing what you're going to say, what right. you're going to call people to, what you're going to do with scripture is absolutely necessary. Yeah. Um, I've said this to young preachers all my life that I don't think God will bless you because I've heard people say, young preachers say, I'm just going to let the spirit work. Where's the room for the spirit? 
if, if you're just preparing too much, if you're manuscripting too much, my response is always the spirit is going to be with you when you're preparing. Mm-hmm. That's where I trust the spirit to be present. Um, but don't gamble on that. Don't step up front, not prepared uh, to say something. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so yeah. And, and then I think my other takeaway is um, biblical preaching, expository preaching, biblical, the Bible, biblical, begin with it. And um, there'll always be something relevant, applicable, life transforming mm-hmm. um, in scripture. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. All right. Uh, hey, this is Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim. We are talking about preaching. We've got a few more of these. Um, the plan was to do four. I feel like there might be more. Who knows? Um, next next week or next time this is released, we're going to talk about the specifics of preparation, like what software you're using and how you set that up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Hey, thank you guys for being here. We'll see you next time.